So, um, I want to invite you this morning to um, turn with me to the Old Testament. We're going to be in the book of Judges. Uh, it's going to be chapters 6, 7, and 8. And the good news is I'm not going to read all of that because that would take up all of my time this morning. Uh, but I do want to invite you into uh, the world of Gideon. Uh, one of the uh, Old Testament stories uh, that uh, that I love so much. And uh, the story of Gideon is about a young man who encounters God one day, and God challenges him uh, to get involved in his world and the people around him. And like most of us, he goes, huh? So uh, let's read his story. It begins in chapter 6 of Judges, and it is... Verses 1 through 6, you should be able to see it on the screen there. This is the Revised Standard Edition, and it starts like this. It says, The Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian for seven years. The hand of Midian prevailed over Israel, and because of Midian, the Israelites provided for themselves hiding places in the mountains, the caves, and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites put in seed... The Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the land as far as the neighborhood of Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they and their livestock would come up and they would even bring their tents as thick as locusts. Neither they nor their camels could be counted. So they wasted the land as they came in and thus Israel was greatly impoverished because of Midian, and the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Now, I want you to understand this morning that Gideon, who is going to be introduced in a little bit, lived in a pretty rotten world. I mean, if, if you read down through what the scriptures there, it's kind of really a brief description of what's going on. They were under the hand of an enemy. And if you read that, it says this enemy was a big enemy and was pretty rotten and mean to them. Um, Israel was forced out of their homes, uh, like some of us have been by Hurricane Ian. But this was because of the army that came from the east and from uh, parts of the world around them. And it says they were forced into mountains and caves and, and any place they could hide from the enemy. And it says that the enemy came and every time that they would uh, plant a crop, uh, the enemy would take it. And, <clears throat> excuse me, it's getting a little, a little dry. This is my second go-round this morning and uh, my poor little voice. Um, <clears throat> They would, they would plant the crops, and, and if you're a gardener or a farmer, you know when you plant something, you got a lot of hope. You put it in the ground, and you're just hoping and waiting and going to see when that crop will come up and the produce will, will appear. And it says every time, every time, for seven years at least, every time they put a crop in the ground, the Midianites came and stole it from them. No food, no homes. Uh, it's, so they lived in, in terror, in oppression, and in poverty. Uh, it was it was a pretty rotten world that Gideon was living in. In fact, when we get down to his story, it says that uh, when we're introduced to him, he was hiding in a wine press, which was kind of like a depression in the ground where they used to stomp the grapes. And he was down there trying to uh, get together enough wheat, maybe, uh, to... Um, put together a loaf of bread for his family. So he had to hide just to keep what little food he had. So it really was a miserable world 
that he lived in. And it says there in verse 6, he says, the Israelites did the only thing they could think of to do, probably should have been the first thing, but took seven years, and finally after seven years of all of this horrible stuff, it says they cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard them. So as we continue on in Judges chapter 6, verses 7 through 18, this is what we find. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord on the account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites, and he said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not pay reverence to the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not given heed to my voice. God showed up. He sent them a prophet who reminded them of their history. Over and over again, Israel had been delivered from their enemies, from oppression, even slavery in Egypt. God had brought them through 40 years in the wilderness. He had brought them into the promised land where he had, uh, in miraculous ways, driven out their enemies and given them a land and a place to live that was filled with milk and honey and all kinds of produce. And just, they were blessed beyond measure. God showed up and the prophet came and reminded him and said, hey guys, you know, Israel's in a bad way now, but it hasn't always been this way. And because of that, we have hope that it won't always be that way. So we're right here. The prophet also reminded them, though, that one of the reasons they were in the mess they were in was because they had not listened to the Lord. And we can get ourselves in trouble that way. Uh, you know, the, God gave us some things called the Ten Commandments. Jesus gave us the two great commandments. And when we don't follow those, it can mess up our lives and the lives of the people around us. And that's where they were. They were in a mess. And it partly was because, or mostly because, they had not heard the voice of God and listened and obeyed. They were in a tough spot. So the angel sent the prophet. He spoke to the children of Israel, reminded them that God was for them, had been in the past, and would be in the future. But in this case, God did something a little different. He showed up personally. He showed up face to face. He talked to Gideon. It says in, uh, beginning there in verse 11, it says the angel of the Lord came and he spoke to Gideon. There as Gideon was hiding in that wine press trying to get together enough food to feed the family. And uh, the uh, angel of the Lord, let's see here. This is um, verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon answered him, like most of us would, and said, Yeah, right. If God's with me, why is all this stuff happening? Why am I in the mess I'm in? Have you ever asked that question? Have you ever said, What's going on here? You know? uh, Why did we have a hurricane? Why do we have to deal with a tropical storm after that? You know, why is my car broke down? Why does my boss hate me? You know, all those questions we go, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. Why, why is all this happening to me? And uh, <clears throat> he doesn't really go into it. He's reminded the, through the prophet already some of the problems. But he tells Gideon, he says, look, I know you're in a bad way. But he says here in verse 14, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. I hereby commission you. See, 
the angel of the Lord came and stood before Gideon. He said, Gideon, I've got a plan here, and that plan involves you. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to go in the might that you have. <clears throat> I'm going to skip just a little bit here because Gideon says, uh, what, me? If you read there, Gideon says, hey, you know, Lord, uh, I understand, uh, you know, you want me to go and do this thing, but I'm not a warrior. And he said, in fact, Lord, I, I come out of one of the smallest families uh, in Israel, and I'm the youngest in the family. And, you know, how, Lord, can you, how can you expect me to do this? Why? Gideon, in fact, says the same thing we all do. Who, me? You want me to be the one to right this wrong? You want me to be the one to lead the charge against evil? Uh, Come on, God, do you not know who you're dealing with? And God says, sure I do. He says, I want you to go in the might you have. And you notice there, God doesn't promise Gideon some super weapon or some super power. He doesn't say, you know, you're going to suddenly develop... um, Oh, let's see. All the superpowers. You know, super strength. Um, I'm trying to remember. I, all I can think of are the old ones. You remember? Superman had vision where he could, like, set things on fire, and he could see through things, and he could fly through the air, and all the, the X-Men and all their other powers, you know. Say, no, no, you're not getting any of that. You're getting what you got now. You, your heart, your mind. This is what you got. This is what you're going to use. He doesn't promise him some super strategy that says, you know, if you're going to do this and and you'll figure out some way to defeat Midian. He doesn't say, he says, go in the power you have. Use what you've got and you will overcome. And Gideon's going, I don't know. And we all feel that way. We feel unprepared. We feel like we're too weak. We're too strong. You know, we've got kinds of excuses. Well, Lord, you know... um, a bank account's not full enough. Or, uh, Lord, I, you know, Lord, I haven't been walking in your way long enough. I haven't been a Christian long enough to, to, to lead this fight. Or, you know, uh, I was joking uh, the, 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 the previous uh, service uh, about those of us who can say, well, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm too old. I'm uh, too weak. I've done my time. My joints ache. My body hurts. You know, we've all got excuses. Gideon had them. And still God said, look, Gideon, go with what you've got. Because I have a plan. And that plan we can find over in uh, Judges chapter 7, uh, verses 1 through 22, where God delivers Israel. He, he shows up and he delivers on his promise. It's uh, chapter 7, and I'm going to start there at verse 1. Uh, then Jerubbabel, uh, that is Gideon, uh, all of us have nicknames. You know, we don't all go by our our given names. We were discussing that yesterday in my family about how all of us have uh, weird and various names that don't match our given name, but uh, it's just us. He says, Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the troops that were with him rose early and encamped beside the spring of Herod, and the camp of Midian was north of them below the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, the troops you have are too many for me to give the Midians into their hand. Israel would only take credit away from me, saying, My own hand has delivered me. Now for, proclaim this in the hearing of the troops. Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home. And thus Gideon sifted them out. 22,000 returned and 10,000 remained. 
See, Gideon doesn't have a clue what God's got planned. So he's, he's thinking, okay, God said for me to uh, fight the Midianites, and the only way I can think of to do that is I'm going to get all the warriors in Israel. I'm going to gather them together, all 32,000, and we're going to go and march against the Midianites, and we're going to win. And God says, no, Gideon, that's not the way it's going to work. He says, uh, take all these guys that you got together. Uh, let them know that if there's somebody who's afraid or has something better to do at home, they can take off and go home. And so 22,000 out of the 32,000 went home. So he's got 10,000 guys left. And, Midian, and so Gideon's going, mm, 10,000, Midian. You know, God, I'm getting a little worried here. Maybe, maybe your plan's not so good. 10,000 against all of those Midianites? I don't know, God. And God says, you know, you're right, Gideon. This is not how it's going to happen. I'm not going to send 10,000 guys to fight against Midian. He says, here's what we're going to do. We're all going to go down to the river, and you tell everybody to get a drink. And he says, um, those that... Uh, I, I want to make sure I tell you the truth. He says, all the... He says, um, all those who lap water with their tongues as a dog laps, you shall put to the side. All those who kneel down to drink, putting their hands to the mouth, you shall put to the side. So here's 10,000 guys. They walk down to the river, and a bunch of them go like this. You can't see my tongue. That's okay. They lap like dogs. And the rest of them go, and they suck up the water out of their hands. God says, okay, all the guys that were lapping like dogs, you keep them. The rest you send. Do you see the number there, how many there were left? 300. Now Gideon's going, I'm not sure I can do this with 32,000 guys. God, I'm a little scared with 10,000. Now all of a sudden he's got 300 and he's going, God, do you know what you're doing? God says, don't worry about it. I got a plan. And so we get, we get to, the, to, to God's plan finally. <clears throat> and uh, here it is, the same night. This is chapter 7, verse 9. That same night, the Lord said, Get up and attack the camp, for I have given it into your hand. And he says, But if you fear to attack, go down to the camp of your servant Pura, and you shall hear what they say, and afterwards your hands will be strengthened to attack the camp. Now God says, Okay, Gideon, look, I understand you're still a little afraid. Here's what you do. You sneak up to the enemy camp. You listen to them talking around the campfire. And once you hear what they're saying down there, You'll, you won't worry anymore. So he does this. He sneaks down and he's listening at the campfire. And one guy says, hey, you know, I had a dream last night. He says, this, I dreamed that this big cake of barley, you know, think, I, how many of you grew up like I did eating cornbread out of a cast iron skillet? Anybody ever? Okay, some of you do. So just think big cornbread. Okay, this big roll of cornbread comes crashing down the mountain, rolls into the camp, knocks over all the tents, turns everything upside down, and, and it's, a, it's a chaos in the Midianite camp in this guy's dream. And the other guy says, oh, man, that could only mean that Gideon is going to come and kill us all. And I'm pretty sure that rumor kind of spread through all of the camp. You know, they were kind of whispering, hey, did you hear about the guy that had the dream? He dreamed, he dreamed we were all going to be defeated. And so Gideon hears this, and he goes back up, and he says, okay, he says, I understand, Lord, you're going you're gonna to win the battle. And then God gives him the plan. This is the super secret, powerful strategy of God. And this is in verse 15. When Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped. 
and returned to the camp of Israel and said, Get up, for the Lord has given the army of Midian into your hand. And he divided the 300 man, men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all of them and empty jars and torches inside. Wait a minute. Torch? Trumpet. Where's the sword? Where's the spear? God, we're going to go to battle with a trumpet and a torch? Okay, God. So he takes his 300 men. He says, okay, you 100 go here. You go north. You 100, you go south. You 100 go east. And when I give the signal, everybody's to blow their trumpets, break open their jars, and wave their torches and, and shout. Some of you guys that were in the service, was that ever one of your battle tactics? Yeah, okay. No. Marines didn't do that, did they? They just shouted and ran forward. Um, So they go, okay, you know, God says to do it. So they did that, and they went out, and uh, as it became, let's see here. I've got to read this so I make sure I get it right. Oh, there it is. There it is. So Gideon and the hundred who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch when they had just set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. So the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars, holding in their hands the torches and in their right hands the trumpets to blow, and they cried, A sword for the Lord and Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp. Now, I thought that was important. It kind of caught me by off guard. I've read this a bunch of times, but it says they stood all 300 guys just stood, blowing a horn, waving a torch, and yelling. They didn't have to run. They didn't have to chase the enemy. They didn't have to do anything except stand there and wait. Yeah, he's working on the puzzle. So he just, they just stand there. And then what happens? When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow and against all the army, and the army fled as far as Bethshittah and uh, towards Zerara. I think I got that right. What happened? Without a fight, the enemy was defeated. It says they got so confused and scared, they started running and fleeing in every direction and they were pulling out their swords and just killing anything that moved and they were killing each other and without a fight Israel won the battle without having to do anything except have 300 guys stand there doing what the Lord told them to do pretty amazing God delivered them without a fight and you go on, you down, you read down through Judges chapter 8, and it talks about Gideon. We get down to um, chapter 8, verses 22 and 23. It says there that uh, the people of Israel thought, wow, man, we've got a superhero among us. Let's make him king. And so they came to Gideon and said, hey, Gideon, you know, you did such a good job winning the battle and, and defeating the Midianites and setting us free. Why don't you be our king? I guess I am pretty important. It's not what he said. He said, no, no, it wasn't me. It was all God. He said, if you need a king, let the Lord be your king. So he gave God the glory. He didn't take any of it for himself. And then if you read on through the rest of the chapter there, verses 28 through 32, it talks about how God blessed Gideon and Israel. It says that for 40 years, as Israel had rest, no enemies, 
came to defeat them. It says that not only was the nation blessed, but Gideon himself was blessed with 70 sons. Yeah, you know it. Can you imagine trying to feed them boys? Wow. But it, it, in, in Gideon's time, in, in the culture that he lived, in the world he lived in, having 70 sons was a blessing because you got all these kids you can send out to do the farm work, right? So he was blessed. Him, and it says that Gideon lived to a good old age. God showed up. God delivered. God blessed. Even in that rotten world that Gideon lived in. So my question for you this morning is what if God used you like he used Gideon? Now, I want you to understand that I know we don't live in a world where we have enemies coming and chasing us from our homes and taking our food and our security, but we do live in a rotten world. We live in a world that is affected by sin terribly. And, and, you know, you just look around. Um, some of the things that, that are going on in our world, uh, one of them is human trafficking. Uh, you know, we think about that as being something that takes place somewhere else. But did you know that on average there are 2,000 cases of human trafficking here in Florida? And that 1,500 of those involve children in the latest year? The Department of Juvenile Justice, they have a screening tool that they use whenever they uh, come in contact with a, a minor. And uh, they administered 9,129 of these screenings in the fiscal year of 21-22. 9,000 times in a year there were kids that they thought might be part of human trafficking, that were being trafficked. And it was, a, a, some of the kids apparently got screened a couple of times because it was 4,816 individuals in that year that received that screening. You know, and a lot of times we think, it's just the little girls, you know, they kidnapped the little girls. And, and 66% of those who received a screening in this last year were males. Human trafficking is real. It's, it's a terrible sin against children. We live in a rotten world. Did you know that $51 billion a year are spent on illegal drugs in this country? Causes 107,000, 109,000 deaths a year. The average American child begins to consume hardcore porn at the average age of 11. Hardcore porn. At age 11, four out of five 16-year-olds that were surveyed admitted that they regularly accessed porn on the Internet. $97 billion a year is spent on porn in our world. $13 billion here in the U.S., $3 billion a year on Internet porn. 32.7 million families are officially below the poverty line, earning less than $25,000 a year here in our country. 34 million Americans are food insecure. In 2021, 53 million people turned to food banks here in the U.S. Not to mention all of the strife and the rancor and the hatred that we see spread through the newspapers and on the television every day. We live in a rotten world. 
So what if, what if God used you like he did Gideon? And your first thought is, yes, I have excuses. But God has a plan and God has the power. The question is, are you listening and are you willing? What if God could use you to right the wrongs in our world? I'm not saying you're going to go out and start some international uh, charity that will fix all the problems of the world. But you can start with what you've got, what God's given you, with the might that you have. And you never know what God will do. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word because it is so challenging. Uh, You remind us over and over again of what a great God you are and what a powerful God you are. And Lord, it is your plan to defeat sin. And that can begin now through us. You can use us to right the wrongs in our world, to defeat the power of sin in our community. Father, help us each to listen for your voice and to say yes, God, when you call us. Send us forth, Lord, as a mighty army for your glory. Amen.